0: This is Sermon Smith, a bi-weekly conversation about the craft of sermon preparation. My name is John Chandler. My guest today is Jeff Isaacs. Jeff is the pastor at Riverlawn Christian Church, which is in Wichita. You'll pick up pretty quickly, I think, in this conversation that Jeff and I have some history and some rapport. Jeff was actually an intern when I was in youth ministry at my very first church, and we figured out it's been, I think, over 20 years ago. So Definitely some history there, although we've only been able to keep up touch and go here and there over the last (laughs) couple decades. Uh, But it was fun to have Jeff, uh, both for me to just catch up with him, but also to hear from him because he's someone who's been in the same church setting for almost 10 years now. And many of our guests have shorter stays where they've been. They're maybe newer, or younger. So to hear somebody who's been through the cycle that many times uh, Just brings a little bit different nuance and edge to some of the conversations. He's certainly not the only one, but that was something that he was able to bring to this uh, that I appreciated hearing. Just somebody who's been doing this craft week in and week out with the same people and trying to shape and form that community through their sermons, through their study of the scriptures each week. Uh, our partner today is once again Audible. If you enjoy listening to things on the go, which apparently you do because you're listening to this podcast, I'd encourage you to listen, give a try to audiobooks if you don't already. You can go to audibletrial.com sermonsmith and you can sign up there for a free month, which means you'll get one free book and you can support the podcast at the same time. Even if you don't choose to extend that trial, you just do one free month, the podcast still gets credit for you taking on that trial. So that's a great way to support the podcast and get a free book even if you cancel. I would recommend uh, is a book you might consider for your first audiobook experience would be Becoming Wise by Krista Tippett. You might already be familiar with Krista Tippett. She hosts the On Being podcast. And Becoming Wise is a book that she wrote that really is just a summary of the lot of The conversations. And I don't always listen to Krista Tippett, but I find the conversation that she brings valuable for trying to listen to the spirituality people in our culture are engaging their reality with as I try to understand how to preach to that, to this time and to preach to this place. And Becoming Wise really is one of those books that is truly better in audiobook form than written book form because she really uses a lot of clips of interviews she's had on her podcast. So that's Becoming Wise with Krista Tibbet, a way to just engage some of the voices and some of the ways people are finding meaning and value in spirituality and in life. Uh, as you reflect on how to address some of those kinds of things in the sermons you preach. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash sermonsmith, and you could get Becoming Wise by Krista Tippett or any other book uh, for free just by signing up for a trial. That being said, let's move on to this week's podcast with Jeff Isaacs. Let's do it then. Sweet. Uh, why don't you tell us about Riverland? Tell us about,
1: <coughs>
0: tell us about where you are and, and the preaching that you do there.
1: All right uh, well I came to Riverlawn back in January of 2008 so that was about nine years ago um, and it's interesting because Riverlawn is actually my home church so I don't think uh, I knew that yeah crazy um, they I, I grew up in a Catholic home and then something happened and and we started going to this church down the road from us uh, back in 1984 I believe. Uh, and that's where I made a decision for Christ and uh, was immersed into Him and uh, continued in youth group through my junior high and high school days and after high school I, uh, I was going to go be a doctor and go to the great University of Kansas, uh, home of the Jayhawks, just beat number one Duke last night. Got to Never heard of in, them there. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so, but then God spoke to me in a in a way at, at church camp that summer, and said I got something different for you, and ended up at uh, a Bible college, which Riverlawn helped send me to. And after I was done with Bible college, and I'd gotten married during Bible college, uh, I got married here at Riverlawn uh, to my beautiful bride Jennifer. And uh, so that was what I thought would be my last connection with Riverlawn, but uh, fast forward. What would that be? Almost 20 years, 21 years, and here I am. Um, been here for nine years, and and, and the story of Riverlawn is an independent Christian church that um, has started. We're coming up on our 60th anniversary here next month in December. Be our 60th anniversary. So it started in a school, then went to a building, moved to this place we're at now back in 1983. And Riverlawn, when I came, I didn't think I'd come to Riverlawn because I knew how uh, just uh, maybe traditional is the right word or, or unchanging, just that, that older church mentality of, of clean up before you come to church is really what I, I felt about Riverlawn. And then some people that uh, were even leading at the time and in my years at different ministries I I wasn't too sure about them in my own understanding because my mom and my stepdad still went here and I kept in touch with other people that had gone here and so back in 2001 River lawn started going through a tough time after the pastor had been here for 28 years left and and they went through two pastors in the next seven years that uh, that both ended poorly, um, and part of that was the church DNA, part of that was some bad decisions. But they had been without a pastor for almost a year when um, they came to me and and asked me if I'd be interested. And I had just gone through a journey that I thought I was going to be church planting in Washington, D.C. area with a couple different organizations and a couple churches, but uh, that fell through at the end. And I came back and had a little pity party with God because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. and. In the midst, you thought you're supposed to have a pity party? <laughs> <laughs> no, good call, good catch. I thought I was supposed to church plant, uh, yeah. and uh, then God shut that door, and I was um, waiting. And, and my home church they called me, asked me if I'd be willing to come fill in the pulpit, and I did. And two days later, they said, "Hey, would you meet with our elders?" And I thought, "Yeah, I'm going to go tell them what they need to do to get it right." and walked into that elders meeting, ne- never thinking I would take the job, but I wanted to put my voice in because I'd been in the Wichita area. So I had, I had been through a lot of their uh, turmoil with them understanding and, and being in the same community and uh, came over here. And the first thing the elders said to me, and this really, God's used this to, to touch my heart, but the elder said, we, uh, we haven't been about the people. We haven't been about the pastors and most of this is our fault and we're, we're gonna do it different. And so with that humble approach from your leadership, I was like, wow, okay, God, um, this may be uh, something we can do. So came into this church and we are a church that we still have. And I know this is dating ourselves, but we still have a, a traditional service and then we have two contemporary services. So um, we, we have different dynamics there. Uh, but so there's have, an old
0: guard, so yes,
1: to speak. Th- there is an old guard, but what has been great about the old guard, John, is just to watch them mature over the past nine years um, into understanding that uh, church is not egocentric, church is not um, about me, myself, and I, uh, and to really care about what's going on and to be excited about young families coming in. Uh, that you don't have to wear a certain thing in order to worship God. And, and so that's been neat to see the transition of, of, uh, the old guard, as you would put them over the past nine years. So that's and, how I got to Riverline. And that's and a little bit of that. Uh,
0: I mean, I'm, I'm looking at a map because I love maps. It, I mean, it looks like, <laughs> looks you like, are that type of guy. <laughs> I am. Uh, Riverlawn is in Wichita proper, but like describe like the part of the city or the makeup of the part of the city it
1: is in. Is it more of a regional church or is it a neighborhood church? How would you say that? A Regional. I, I, we are we are on the north end of the city, right before a suburb called Valley Center, where I actually go to, or uh, I reside and my kids go to school. Um, so we are we are on the north side of Wichita, just to the south. There's a church right a block away to the north, a block to the south, and there's the interstate that. That comes through here, uh, right beside our property. But uh, there's a couple residential areas, oh, a mile away from us, and uh, maybe a half mile the other way. So we have some residential areas, but it's it's mostly um, just a thoroughway where we're we're at. But uh, we, we get people coming from different communities and from uh, Wichita proper for sure. And then what's what's the makeup of the church?
0: I mean, you said you have an old guard, but I assume yes. that that is not all you have.
1: <laughs> no, no, we've we've definitely become younger over the last nine years, and uh, we are just uh, we're, we're at a place where our kids ministry is booming, and and uh, a lot of young young families coming in. Um, makeup, uh, I would say, uh, average age probably probably in the late thirties to, to 40, uh, maybe, uh, with me being 42, uh, that's what I'm, I'm guessing at. Uh, we've, we've still got a lot of older people, but, uh, we have a lot more younger people for sure.
0: And what would you, I mean, I, obviously, I, I think this has probably been said on here before, but I come from the same tradition as you, as far as independent Christian church, that's what I grew up in and did my early ministries in, um, but even within that, there's going to be some variation. So sure. for you, like how would you describe in the life of Riverlawn, what is the role of the sermon or what is the role of preaching?
1: Um, great question. The role of preaching at Riverlawn is is strong. It's, uh, uh, you know, you, you still have so, a few of the older guard that feel like, uh, Sunday morning is is church and that's you know you've got to have that and if you don't do this or that but that's that's few and far between now when as whereas when I came it was uh, a little different uh, with more more being of that mindset but it's just been great to see God uh, move people to understand churches so much more we've uh, we are a small group church as, as I believe is is a healthy way to do that and uh, we we model uh, a sermon based small group formula where we we want people to get the sermon and and the message from the sermon but we really want people to dive into the word that was in the sermon and so we feel like one way to do that is our our small group uh, sermon based studies and so they have homework sheets each week to fill out after the service before they come to group that uh, really take them to the main passages we were in as well as parallel passages that uh, relate to what we're talking about and and reflection and and small group is really the core if if, if we, we we tell people this here we would rather people be in a small group than be here on a Sunday morning because we believe that's Uh, where a real church is is done now we believe the sunday morning element to be very important to spiritual growth and and edification and encouragement and using your gifts and the different things that that come in a sunday morning environment but the sermon is not the end all (laughs) luckily for for our church Uh, but we do we we are are very strong in our sermons on uh, the word of god and standing on that even when it comes to hard topics Uh, we we make that a priority. So sermon is important, but we want, we would rather people be in community and working through Bible study together than, than being a church service.
0: So what, like, what do you, I mean, you described this a little bit, but what are the particulars of the relationship for the sermon to the small groups? Like, do they all spring off that? I mean, you say you'd rather have people be in small groups, but could they participate in one if they didn't get to hear the sermon or would they miss a chunk of that?
1: They would definitely miss the the teaching time, but as as most churches are, available online, and a lot of people. I I actually lead one on Sunday night, a small group that, and I used to have Sunday and Wednesday, but I've I've gone to just Sunday night now. And so the Sunday night groups, we have a few of them. They're they're the ones that are most uh, uh, up against the wall on getting their homework done uh, if they weren't here, because of course, <laughs> unlike. Uh, most pastors in in the world would love. Not everyone comes to church every Sunday morning. So, uh, but to get their homework done definitely gives them buy-in. But the questions on the homework are simple enough to even if someone didn't watch the. Uh, the message or weren't here on a Sunday morning, they could pick up what they needed to from a little Bible reading. Or if they came totally unprepared and they were handed a homework sheet at small group, there's enough questions in there. And with the groups reading the verses uh, during the small group time, they can, they can add input and insight. But as, as with anything, what you put into it a lot of times is what you're going to get out of it.
0: Yeah. Well I um I'm looking at your sermons page and it looks like you kind of mingle back and forth. You do the dance between doing some long-term exegetical stuff through books like I see Genesis and Revelation. You're not messing around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then but then also some you know some some thematic stuff. So what is your right. what is your process look like for planning out your sermons?
1: Okay, great question. We uh we go back and forth in exegetical uh, expository Preaching is what I, I've been led to. I I heard a, a wise pastor one time say, uh, "If you preach through the Bible, you're going to preach all the issues." And uh, trying to trying to stick to that, um, our Genesis series that we are actually finishing up here next week. We've done that in three different um, phases. Uh, a couple years ago, we did Genesis one through twelve on. Uh, in the beginning and, and walked through the foundation of the Bible. Uh, la- January to May, we did the second part of our, our series, and we, we called it Israel's Journey. And we started in Genesis 13, and we went through Genesis 35. And, and then over the summer, uh, I actually was on a break that our elders graciously gave me, and our discipleship pastor He wanted to do a series. I gave him freedom to do whatever, and he did Disciple Maker, uh, what it looks like to be a disciple and and walking through that. And then we came back here this fall, and we're going to be uh, concluding Genesis, and we're talking about the legacy, the legacy of Joseph. But ultimately, what will your legacy be is Joseph had a good legacy in spite of what happened to him. So I I, I really try to go books of the Bible um, and then we we're going to take a little break here at Christmas and do some old time Christmas and just go to prophecies about the birth of the Messiah and uh, then in January we're going to pick up and and start going through a trek through the Book of John and I don't know how long that'll take uh, uh, looks like it'll it'll take some time but in the midst of that possibly in the summer uh, we might go into a topical on. Um, Bible 101, 201, just some teaching elements to help people make sure they're in the word and spiritual disciplines and things like that.
0: Yeah. And then, so as far as deciding, okay, after Genesis, we're going to go on to John. Is that yeah. something that you've just kind of been charted? I I imagine you are an elder-led church, right? As a Christian church. So is that something that the elders just kind of give to you to say whatever you feel like we need? Or is there a, is there a process of determining like, what are some things that we need to preach, preach on? And, you know, the, uh, like a team of people thinking th- that through, how's that look?
1: Well, for, for me and in my uh, environment, you, you are right. We're an elder led, we're a pastor driven elder led church in a lot of ways. Um, and the guys like me to be in the in the Word. Uh, they like me to be preaching from it. They they don't put any input into where we go, what we say with the uh, sermons. Um, I I always present to them ahead of time. Like I've already, I told them a couple months ago that we're looking at John for this next year, and and they they seem excited about that. We haven't done a gospel. I think I did Mark when my second year here. So. It's been about seven years, seven or eight years since I've done a gospel, and so we're going to walk through that. They they really don't have much. If if something comes up, there's a hot topic, uh, you know, even uh, political or tragedy. Um, you know, there's there's freedom to to change up and and do whatever we feel led to at that time. But um, it's it's ultimately up to me. Now I do I do talk to a couple people on, on staff and let them know what I'm, I'm thinking and try to gain wisdom from that, and, and especially with our, our youth and our children's pastors because I, uh, I want to give them a heads up of where we're going because we try to, although we are not fully orange uh, as uh, you know the uh, orange standard would go where everything is exactly the same, uh, yeah. The Orange Ministry Standard, sorry. Um, if you're familiar with... with vaguely, Yeah. <laughs> familiar enough. Uh, yeah. So, and that's just where uh, it's a model where what's preached is what's preached everywhere. I mean, taught everywhere uh, in every aspect. And it's a good model. And we, we use it to some degree, but um, I'll I'll talk with our youth pastor, our children's pastor and say, hey, here's what I'm going to. Oh, we can do some good stuff with that. So it's, that's about as far as I go as... And, and I get away and just spend time with the Lord and and try to see what He's putting on my heart. Um, and hopefully it's it's the right message. I'm hearing the right message, that is. His message is always right. I'm just hoping I'm hearing it right. Uh,
0: yeah, when you when you say orange, all I hear is broncos. So uh, I mean it, well, it's probably hey, not. Congrats,
1: the same. by the way. That uh, <laughs> uh, congratulations. That was a heck of a heck of a year. We're
0: months away from that, but I'll take it. Hey, um, They're still world champs. They are. They are. Um, all right, moving along, because <laughs> we can go down that road. Um, so, I mean, you—I told you this before we started recording. But as somebody who's been at the church you're at for eight or nine years, you're like a—you're like long-term for a lot of the people I've interviewed,
1: right? Um,
0: and I, I'm curious, in that time, you know, even as you think about planning, have you developed any sort of? process a rotation to make sure you've got some kind of balance of you alternate between old Testament and new Testament or a gospel yes. epistle. Like how do you, how do you yeah. try to manage that to make sure? Cause you can, you know, you can, are you the argument you made that if you, you know, preach through. You're going to preach all the issues, but we still have our favorite books and texts sure, we tend to go to. Sure. Right. So, how do you how do you do that?
1: Well, um, that's a great question, and and I, I do go back and forth, uh, old to new, because we want we want our people to know the Old Testament is just as much scripture as the New Testament. Even though the the church we're in is founded on New Testament, New Testament wouldn't be there without the Old Testament, and and you have to understand the foundational parts of that. So, uh, I go back and forth. Um, now, will I? Will I avoid certain things? Yeah, I, I don't think you're gonna see me anytime in the near future uh, preach through Ezekiel. Um, that scares me. Um, you know, I'm just not <laughs> that. I'm not the most excellent scholar on prophecy, and so Revelation was a was a, str- a stretch in, in some aspects for me. Uh, but I, I think we were able to take a. A thirty-thousand-foot view of Revelation. Walk through the churches specifically, and walk through different things that we know. But on the on the different philosophies that everybody will come out on on prophecy, uh, I shared different views, and I shared what I thought. And ultimately, the message I wanted to to get out of Revelation and the prophecy. I'm sorry, I'm on a tangent here, um, but take it. the the out of Revelation, the the only thing that. I said this every week in our series, and I said, here's the message of Revelation, make sure you get this. And, you know, I made sure the congregation, they were saying it the last couple months we were in it by themselves without me, but the message is, Jesus is coming, so be ready. Uh, You know, independent of what you believe that that coming is going to look like or when it's going to be, you need to be ready. So, you know, I, I, I... I don't skate tough issues like prophecy. I just admit that I'm not, um, I'm not the prophet they were spoken to, and so the interpretation that I, I look to wiser guys for interpretation, and even those wiser guys have different interpretations. Sure. Yeah. So that, that's that's where I, I land on on some of those things. But I, I'll preach anything. Uh, I haven't done Song of Solomon yet, but I'm I'm looking forward to that. I think that'd be a, a fun one to do. But Uh, You know, everything in the Bible, to me, comes back to Jesus. And so, uh, you know, John, the the series, at least the first part of it, is basically going to be entitled Jesus. Uh, That's what we want people to see. So even through Genesis... Every single message in Genesis, uh, I'm pointing to Jesus in, in some way so that people can see that, and especially in the legacy series where Joseph is a Christ type. And you can see uh, a lot of Jesus in the way Joseph was and what he did, uh, salvation for his people and, and the different things that come in that story.
0: So that I mean all that framed out then, well, let me ask this question even what how often do you preach? Do you preach almost every week, or do you have a couple of other people who rotate in and give you breaks?
1: Yeah, I do preach most weeks. Uh, when I first came here, I was the first year I did forty eight or forty nine I believe um, and then it's it's gone down uh, since then. This year's a, a weird year, as I said. Our eldership, they'd never done this before, but they wanted me to take a, a, a 12-week sabbatical, which was amazing. It was hard, but it was, it was just amazing that they would care that much about me and my family to do that. So this, this summer, I didn't preach any, so I've, I've preached most of the rest. So this year, I'll be at uh, somewhere around oh, 39, I believe. Uh, but normally, I'm in the 40, 44 area. And I let my associate uh, preach four to six times, and then I let the youth pastor once or twice, and our children's pastor, I give him Mother's Day every year, just as we do a baby dedication. And and, and then we have a, a missionary speaker uh, every year, at least one or two of those, and possibly another special speaker.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, I ask that question just because when you're doing it most weeks, there's there's just some rhythms and some routines i'm sure that you have to settle into yeah so let's talk about that like t- let's break it down like to any given individual sermon what is your process well let, let me even backtrack a little bit here which is when you have that when you have that series mapped out like you're starting to map out John mm-hmm. how many weeks in advance do you map out and what exactly do you do you just map out what the text is going to be for a given week and then get
1: to it when you get to it or what what's that you know medium term look like for each sermon sure Sure. Great question. Um, you know, the, the original mapping, I try to have the entire year done by the fall of the year before of where, where I'm going and, and, and that would be just a text and an idea, um, you know as i look through john i think i have that folder around here somewhere but you know even in the uh, in the beginning of john the first one is going to be uh, jesus is god and 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 speaking to that so that would be the the concept that i have and then i i wouldn't develop that until the week before so my my process and um, I know some guys have theirs done way in advance. I'm, I'm not that guy. Uh, um, I have a sermon meeting with our pastors on staff and uh, invite them into my office and we sit around and I, I throw them the text. I throw them my main idea. And this is on a Tuesday, so a Tuesday morning. And just get insights and thoughts from them on uh, Scripture, from from other Scriptures that, that match up, that... Uh, other thought processes and 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 that's uh, a that, that's great. It's encouraging. It's also sometimes it's it's humbling because uh, you see that they they may have um, exegeted the text a little better than I did, uh, and I haven't really put a lot of study into it uh, at that point. But uh, they so they are able to offer their thoughts, and um, uh, you know they theories on what, what God was, was getting across here. And so we do that on Tuesday morning. I, I type that all up, what people are saying. And, and then Monday, then the following Monday.
0: So like a week and a half before. the Yeah. Sermon yeah.
1: Sorry. Okay. So that Tuesday yeah, I'm a week good. and a half ahead. And so then on the Monday before the sermon is when, um, I shut my door and, and basically say, uh, do not disturb and, and spend time, uh, going through studying materials and, and reading text and and walking through that, trying to trying to formulate some sort of outline. And, and my goal is to have the outline at least in some skeletal way uh, done by by the end of the workday on Monday. And that happens most of the times, but there are times where that doesn't happen. Um, so I, I I let that uh, sit and uh, marinate there for a. Uh, a day or two is Tuesday's full of meetings and, and Wednesday's got some things going on. And so I may look at it again on, on Wednesday afternoon, but, um, my, my new rhythm is just to set aside some time on Thursday morning for that, in, including the time to, uh, practice it or run through it. Uh, I say new rhythm cause I was doing that on Thursday afternoons, but it, uh, because I'm off on Fridays, it just works better to do that Thursday mornings if there's a lot more tweaking that needs needs to be done. And uh, then just think about things through the week, of course, as, as things might come up and you write down an idea or, or a concept or an illustration and um, then try to have it ready to go Sunday morning. Come in early on Sunday morning to go over it again and, and see if God's uh, put anything else out there, if there need to be any adjustments or or changes and do that Sunday morning before we get ready to go. And our first service is 830. So the traditional, the traditional baby. <laughs> so for, for that Tuesday,
0: that sermon meeting with the staff, yeah, uh, do you bring anything into that other than here's the text and the main idea? Have you already done, like, are you already chewing on things or do you try to come in with a blank slate and see what they bring to that?
1: Yes. And yes, uh, dependent upon what I've, uh, depending on the time I've spent on it or if, if I just know God's put something on my heart for that uh, that message that needs to be shared. Um, but most of the time, um, I'd probably say 75% of the time, I, I come in and say, guys, this is what it says. This is what I'm feeling. What are your thoughts? Um, and, and we go from there. Yeah.
0: Um, and then do you, I mean, so on Monday, you're working on this week's sermon, on yes. Tuesday you're working on next week's sermon. Correct. How much does how much do you find that something from this work you did on Monday changes because some other idea forms out of Tuesday even for the following sermon? Does you know, that happen a, much? Or are they compartmentalized pretty well?
1: Yeah, I, you know that's a great question, but I, I would say they are compartmentalized. I'm a I'm a oh there's a squirrel type of guy, so um, you know with that I can I can focus there uh, for a while, and then then I put uh, once done the the, the Tuesday brainstorming uh, I can put that away. Uh, but if something comes up during the week that uh, I think hey we that would go along with something we talked about, then I could definitely come in and work on that but as far as sparking anything for the Monday sermon that hasn't happened often it has happened before but it doesn't it's not a regular occurrence.
0: Yeah I was just curious because I mean yeah. there's some benefit to that overlap where you might sure. realize hey I could set this up for the following week if I do this or
1: yeah there have been illustrations and things that have come up that I've been able to use that with so um, yeah it's a good good question. So it
0: sounds like a big chunk happens on Monday. So I want to dig on Monday a little bit. Yeah. What, um, like what, what is that? Like, what does that process look like? Do you start out working through, I mean, are you getting into Greek and word studies? Are you going to commentaries? What does
1: that, even that look like? Right. No, great. Uh, I keep saying great questions. So we'll just assume. they they're all great. They're all great. Yeah. yeah. They're all great. Um, but uh, so Monday morning come in and, and just spend some time in in prayer and, and reading through the text and um, reading it in uh, different uh, Bibles and and study Bibles and commentaries and and doing the the Greek study. I, I wish I tell you, John, one thing from my undergrad work uh, that I. Um, Wish I would have done is spend more time on Greek and in Hebrew. Well, especially Greek. But uh, uh, but I, I am thankful for the tools out there now. You don't. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to know it like you used to. I just um, I've always wanted to to know that. But so so you can use I use the tools. I use different books I have here on on that and uh, use some online sources and uh, walk through uh, some different ways of looking at that. But I I. I don't spend a ton of time on language, um, but I do spend if there's an important concept or word that needs to be hashed out, I'll spend it there. Uh, Read through uh, different different commentaries, as I said, and uh, um, walk through. Actually, um, although I'm not a, and I hope this doesn't come across bad, I uh, I I read through. uh, John MacArthur's study Bible uh, a lot. Uh, I, I go to him because I'm not, I, I don't agree with his theology on some things, but uh, I really do appreciate his um, his studying of the word and, and bring things out. I'll uh, look at, I may even look at other sermons. I don't look at other sermons much because I, uh, as <laughs> weird as it may sound, I don't want to cheat. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying anything against those that uh, that do or use other people's sermons. I just feel like God has me here in this place to uh, to deliver His Word in, in our context and what he, he gives to me. And it's not to say that I haven't used outlines of other people's uh, texts before. I we have done that. There's a, a series that we've done before where I've I've used those. I've um, Years ago, I used uh Chip Ingram R12, it was Romans 12, and we, uh, years ago, used a people of second chances thing, and then uh Kyle Eidelman, who's a wonderful communicator, I, I, we used his... um <laughs> Oh, my mind just went blank, but it was good. Believe me, it was life changing. <laughs> uh, we, well, we, not a fan, not a fan. That's what it was. Oh, sure. The book. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, every once in a while I'll, I'll use stuff, but I just feel like I need to develop what God's put on my heart for, for uh, people here. So uh, walk through those commentaries, the study tools um, and um, see where, see where we land, read through the scripture several times.
0: Do you have like a wall of books or are you a Bible? Like, you do all this in your office? You're yes, down in your office with your wall of books? Are you a Bible software yes. guy?
1: You know, I I used to be more of a Bible software guy, but now I'm I'm more of a book guy. I don't know why that is. I Actually, I'll tell you why it is. Um, <laughs> this is funny. Uh, you probably haven't had someone say this before, but uh, I didn't have a ton of books. I had some, but we have had over the last six years, I have had somebody in the church, I don't know who it is, but they keep dropping bags of books at our front door, and th- there's no notes, there's no names in these books, and these are great study study tools and materials. I've got all kinds of interlinear dictionaries and and commentaries, and uh, you know, the, the complete biblical libraries, and uh, you know, there's just all these different great sources that somebody has been dropping off, and so uh, they, they turned me more into a book guy. Now, I, I, I would, before that, I, I would also, uh, I'd have my commentaries that I'd, I'd get and read through the uh, different books, but right now in Genesis, I'm, I'm looking at five different uh, Genesis commentaries that I'll walk through and, and look at, and, but yeah, so I do both, but I'm more of a book guy now than I am a computer software Although I use Logos for a long time. And then you, I mean, you even, when I was
0: talking about John earlier, or when you were talking about John earlier, you said my John folders around here somewhere. So it's a lot of your work. I mean, are you typing all your notes out or are you like scrawling them out on a sheet of paper and tucking them in a folder on your desk?
1: Oh, that would be great if if I had a lot of notes and everything scrolled out. Uh, no, <laughs> I just I have a folder where it's two thousand seventeen message schedule, and I've got gotcha. some stuff written in there. So, um, and and kind of some of the notes that I've taken on on just the the overarching theme of each week. And uh, like I said, it's pretty simple in the beginning, of John. It's not hard to uh, find what God was trying to reveal there about who Jesus is. So. That's where we're at right now. And then um, you
0: said you try to have that outline by Monday. Do you have like a go-to basic outline that you use? Like do you use three-point every time? Or do you find that your sermons start to take on some kind of structure? Or do you find it's different every time?
1: Uh, It's—I would say yes to a a sort of structure. And I I do not want to be in the box of— Uh, three points and, and, you know, uh, you know, making sure uh, that they all have the same letter to start with or, or, uh, you know, I, I I don't want to be in that box, but a lot of times I end up with three Um, and sometimes it's two other times it's one this, this week we're doing a special missions uh, offering Sunday and, and I'm actually splitting the, the time with three other pastors and we're each doing about nine minutes on Sunday, and we each have uh, a uh, a part of our, our our mission that we want to let everybody know uh, who we are, what we're doing, and ultimately, it's uh, you know making disciples who make disciples, and and we do that through what we do here, but also through what we do uh, with our missions program worldwide. So we have a couple couple points this week. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, I, I go with some, some points from the text that jump out to me or to us, and then uh, I'll do a section called, Now What, at the end of the outline. And the now what is, okay, this is great. Um, let's just say one of the points is God loves us. Okay, this is great, so now what do I do with that? Now that I know God loves me, what do I do with that? So we go into some more application steps. Uh, for people to try to put put meat on it for themselves. So,
0: um, and then, what do you do? Like, how do you how do you determine if a sermon was good or not? Like, what do you try to do any evaluation or you know after the fact? Like, how do you yeah. how are your sermons better
1: now than they were four years ago? Other than just doing it. One way that I determine they're good is I never go back and listen to them. Um, you know, <laughs> that, they're not as good when you listen. to That's them. right. Absolutely. You you know you can you can find so many things that uh, you pick out and would do different when you listen to it. But uh, our uh, it sounds a little more harsh than it is. But uh, I've asked our uh, some of our pastors to sit into our first service with the traditional congregation, and to listen to the sermon, and to come up afterwards and give me insights or thoughts of what what can make that better, what I should do different in second and third service. And I do that, and and there's also a a lady on staff that I asked to do that um, for me from a female perspective. Uh, I do that to try to make it better, and our our 10 o'clock service is the one that is recorded, it's the one that goes out online, and so I don't want to sound like eight thirty is a is a practice or a trial run. It sounds like you're saying eight thirty is a practice or a trial. Run. <laughs> I didn't say it. you did, uh, but uh, and, and honestly, um, in in, the, in our context, uh, eight thirty is filled more with people who are not seeking but have had a relationship with the Lord for some time. Um, you know there are some younger ones in there, but our visitors or our, our non-church people are going to be coming at ten or eleven thirty, and that's just statistically what happens here at our church. We we know that. So I, when I say that, I don't say that in a bad way because I, uh, if I uh, if I don't feel confident going into eight thirty with my message, then I'm in a world of hurt anyway. Uh, right. I need to be be confident there. But just the the tweaks and the things that I may may change. And, and they, they offer some, they offer some good comments to us. I have, I have one pastor. He's, I want to carry him around in my back pocket because every time he's just like, Oh, this was good. I like this. This was good. I'm going to use this because it's our children's pastor. And, uh, I'll say, okay, but what could I do to make it better, different? But then I have uh, another guy who's, um, a real uh, straight shooter and he'll come up and, He'll never say anything about it being good. He'll say, okay, this might help better, or you could say this or develop this more. And so I've got both sides of the spectrum. I, I really like it if I get the straight shooter's opinion before uh, the children's pastor. So if I feel too deflated, I can get uh, encouraged <laughs> by him. But You then, get third in line. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Then another guy comes up and gives me some stuff. He's both. And and then I have a, a lady share some stuff with me. So Yeah, I mean, I
0: joking around about that, but I, I, there's a certain luxury to, you know, multiple sermons and even having the first one be with that smaller. Cause you know, I'm in a stage now where I preach one time and
1: it's all or nothing, baby. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I very much remember, you know, back when, way back when you were an an intern with me, but you know, I preached a few times in the life of that church where you preach five times. And I don't know, any of those five sermons would have been the same because there's Ad- adapting and adjusting all the way, but certainly the first and the last would have been very different. So sure. yeah, there's a, there's a benefit to that. And uh, I'm all for, you know, the concept of rehearsing and that's great, but there's still a little bit different when you're, I don't want to say fire and live bullets. That's probably not a very good metaphor for a sermon.
1: <laughs> <but> <laughs> and go with it. <laughs> I'm not,
0: I'm, uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Firing blanks versus firing live bullets—the metaphor I will never ever say in public, even though I just recorded it.
1: Right? Yeah, that's all right. (laughs) You got me saying that I practice at eight thirty, so that's uh, we're even.
0: Well, what? Um, we'll we'll start winding down here. But what are some resources that have kind of you feel like have been helpful for forming you as a preacher? They might be books. They might be books about preaching. That might be about something not at all about preaching. There might be other things. But what are what are some things that you found that have been helpful?
1: As far as on a weekly basis, or or just or overall, just things that have shaped
0: you, and formed you. Yeah, either either one, they're all good.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I I think for me, uh, I, I've I used to be, I, I used to be caught up in in wanting to be cool or wanting to be trendy, wanting to be, you know, oh well, there's there's this that this this big church is doing this, and so we should do this and. Um, and, and I'm talking more maybe in my youth ministry days and in the beginning of of my preaching, thinking that you know that was the way to go. Um, but I, I've just, I really ha- I had a pastor that I was a youth pastor under uh, that he just got up and he preached the word of God and he he was a big John MacArthur fan and and turned me on to some of uh, MacArthur's just through verse by verse preaching and, and understanding. Uh, that um, in, in telling story I mean one of the things that i've I've really learned in in ministry is um, I'm not going to be uh, uh, a Matt Chandler or Francis Chan or or these guys that are just you know they're just phenomenal and what they're doing for the kingdom is is great God. God didn't set me up to be like that I you know, I'm, I'm a broken vessel that he's chosen to use and, and Why he uses me? I'm just going to be real. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to uh, walk through my personal story I'm, I'm going to uh, walk through uh, verse by verse because in that I'm learning and growing so uh, you know as far as uh, materials or, or texts that um, I use I, I listen to a lot of, a lot of sermons and, and uh, read a, a lot of uh, books I have a lot of different books in, in my office on, on preaching what that looks like I've uh, now been turned on to your your, uh, your sermon Smith here and, and you know looking forward to utilizing that uh, more um, just I, I always want to be a learner I, I've never arrived um, and I, I, I like reading. Like even now in Genesis, I'm reading commentaries uh, that uh, aren't all slanted the same way. I don't want to, uh, sure. you know, just uh, definitely. That's one of the things that I've learned is is you can't just read people of like mind and, and think that you're being all inclusive, because um, there's a there's a ton of smarter guys than me when it comes to uh, exegeting the text and and on on different sides of the fence on what they believe the text would would mean and so to navigate those um so i've i've, I've learned to do that because I, I i think when i started preaching i would pretty much just read <laughs> one or one maybe two different views on the scripture as you're walking through it and i've learned that that isn't a i believe a I guess it could be if you found the the perfect person for you and what you believe. Uh, But I've, I've found that I need to uh, read and look at different opinions and views and I don't have a problem differing from those views uh, with what I believe God puts on my heart. Yeah. Living in
0: that tension between, you know, that living in that tension between multiple ideas is almost always a good thing, right? Because it just, because otherwise it's too easy just to settle into the comfort of one perspective. Right.
1: well and then then you get then you get polarized as you see in our in our country and i I'm, and i'm not going to get political but you see in in race and you see in p- political background you see in this and and even in the in the church you see too much of that polarization where uh people are saying well if you're not a reformed guy and and you're not a sprawl and and whoever else uh if you're not in that camp then you know you're you're not doing well and then you have other people on the other side well if you're not if you're not following along with with chan or or you know the Armenian uh, arminian thought then it's it's just I, I like reading both both sides of of the aisle when it comes to different things now the one thing i will not uh, read is uh, heretical you know things that uh, uh that would point to saying scripture saying something that it doesn't say throughout the whole context, taking one verse and, and, uh, making your, I'm sorry, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but, oh, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, that's I where the read. fun stuff happens on this. That's podcast. right. That's right. I'll, I'll read, um, different views, but if it's, if I know for a fact that what they're saying is, is heretical, then you know that I won't read that anymore. I won't be part of that.
0: Uh, so uh, this is a question I don't know that I've ever asked. It'll be my it'll be my last uh theoretical question and then we'll just ask <laughs> a practical okay. uh simple question. But um you said you listen to a lot of podcast, you know, sermon podcasts. Do you find do you find that it's helpful to try to listen to people who mostly have a similar style with you because it helps you tune your own style or do you find that you try to even listen to people with a a different style than you to try to I mean cuz you've been doing this You know, the
1: same church for eight years. I would imagine you've kind of found your voice. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm actually getting ready to start my tenth year. So, yeah, yeah, we've been uh, been here a while. I have found my voice, and you know, the thing that uh, I've I've realized, John, is is that I can I can gain um, wisdom, and I can gain uh, different concepts of of preaching uh, from listening to. Uh, multiple people. I don't have a. I don't have a go-to guy. Uh, young in ministry. Uh, young. Young in this ministry. Uh, I was uh, uh, Stanleyite, and not the older, but the younger. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I'm. I'm not anymore. Matter of fact, I hardly listen to any of um, his sermons. Although I, I, I read read some of his books and different things, but I, I like listening to different people. I'll even. I, I like listening to people that are way outside my comfort zone on uh, their theology um, just to uh, just to look at the the craft and to see if there's something I'm missing and uh, you know so yeah I, I, I'm all over the board, I guess you'd say yeah fair enough uh, well so the
0: simple, practical question was just, if someone wants to learn a little bit more about your ministry or you, um, what's the church's website and do you, do you have a blog or do you have that, you know, uh, Twitter, any of that going on that you could point people to?
1: Uh, you, you know, we are uh, at riverlawn.org, R-I-V-E-R-L-A-W-N.org. Uh, of course we do uh, Facebook and I know our church has Twitter. I'm not a, I'm not a Twitter guy um, and I'm not a, a blogger. Uh, I I guess I just, I'm I'm different, Um, and there's different reasons for that. But uh, yeah, our our website is riverlawn.org, and I don't know what all you'll find there. I don't check it out too much, but um, I won't tell our media people that. Uh, I mean, you just told the world, but... Right, right, Uh, yeah, so scratch that from the record, and we'll uh, we'll scratch yours. Uh, So you
0: shoot live bullets during your sermons. At yeah. 10 at 1130, and you never look at your church website.
1: That, that's right. That's right. Believe me, you, the longer you talk to me, the more uh, idiosyncrasies you'll find in me and uh, imperfections, because they they are all over the place. Well, Jeff, it's, uh, it's great to hear your voice, and I'm thankful that you've
0: been—I'll just say this, uh, because your immediate response to me when I asked you to do this was, man, I don't know, I'm not one of those, like— high power, I don't remember what terminology you said, high power, rock star kind yeah. of guys and you know my response to you was, part of what I'm trying to do with this is I just, I want to hear the voices of people who just do this week in and week out and I feel like yeah. you represent that beautifully and so I'm thankful to have you on and, and catch up after all these years.
1: Oh man no, it's great to hear your voice and uh, hear what's going on with you and Sherry and make sure you, uh, you give her my love and uh, I'm just excited that uh, you're continuing to stay faithful. Yeah, so keep it up, man. Well, thanks, Jeff. Well, thank you, buddy. Thanks again for listening. Another way you can
0: be part of the podcast, besides the Audible trial that I mentioned at the beginning, is you can go to Patreon. dot com slash SermonSmith, P A T R E O N, and you can pledge to support the podcast uh, one conversation at a time. You can say I'll pledge a dollar or two dollars or however much that you feel like you could manage. If it's Uh, helpful for you and meaningful for you that's a way you can help extend what's going on here i would still love to be able to do more than a bi-weekly and sometimes a little less than bi-weekly conversation and that's a way you can be part of helping make that happen thanks so much friends